You are listening to the official audio preaching podcast of Christian Bible Baptist Church Manila, Philippines, led by Rev. Alan Earnhardt Jr. It is our desire that you will be revived, encouraged, and helped by this gospel messages. God bless. a Bible, I want you to open your Bible to Matthew tonight, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew 9, it's in, it's in the New Testament, if any of you didn't know, <laughs> just wanted to make sure you're not looking in the Old Testament, it's in the New, okay, <laughs> I know you know, I know this is a church that knows your Bible, Amen. You've got a great preacher. I've already met him. We've only got to know each other just for a very brief time, but I can tell that uh, he's a man that loves the book and uh, loves the Lord and, and a, a very sacrificial man and family. Uh, that was tremendous. Uh, you ladies, what a wonderful job you did. I appreciate the great music. I think that was uh, your daughter and granddaughter, right? Amen. Wonderful. Tremendous. Let's, uh, let's stand, and I'm sorry to have you, but let's stand and honor the Lord. And let's just read in unison, beginning in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. 35 through 38, just read with me. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. You can be seated. A tremendous uh, passage. I'm sure you've heard probably numerous messages uh, from this passage. My name is uh, Brother Jim Starr, and uh, I've been serving the Lord in India for 25 years actually uh, was called by God 28 years ago to leave our newly built home. We had just built a new home, custom built, and uh, we had planned to spend the rest of our lives in that home. I could walk out of my driveway and in five minutes walk into the parking lot of my local church, Bethel Baptist Church in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. But one morning as I was going through the book of Chronicles, I'm sure uh, maybe you've read, read through Chronicles. Uh, in the beginning chapters, it's pretty boring because it says so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and we just go on and on and on, you know? And uh, finally, you come to an oasis. I call it an oasis. 
in the middle of a desert of names, you find this watering trough, this wonderful pool of water in First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I'm not going to preach from that tonight, but uh, that was the passage that the Lord used to call me uh, from my comfort zone and to leave my comfort zone and uh, to sell our newly built home. And that, that in itself is a miracle. When God put the burden in my heart to go to India, I knew that I needed to prepare myself in a better way, which meant at the age of 46, uh, going back to Bible college. I had already been in Bible college 20 years before, but I felt to prepare better for the ministry that I needed to go back to Bible college. And so I had gone down to Greenville, South Carolina to kind of scout out uh, the property there where the Lord, where we could find another home since we were selling our home. I was by faith, we didn't have our home sold, but by faith we just stepped out and looking to God. And while I was down in Greenville looking for my home, my best friend, my very best friend, Mr. Lester Moyer, called me and uh, told me that he was not feeling well. He said that he was sick and that he had gone to a chiropractor and that this doctor had done some work on him. And ever since that, he was not feeling well. And I said, Lester, I said, you go immediately uh, to the hospital. Uh, he said uh, that, you know, he said that someone else told him that he'd probably be okay just to give it a few days. I said, no, Lester, you go now to the hospital. Well, he did. And when I arrived back home, I got the word that Lester had bone cancer. And two weeks later, we buried my very best friend. We had his funeral. And uh, they had also, just previously to his, to this sudden sickness, sold their home. And they didn't have any place. They were renting a property. And so I told his wife, Sue, I said, Sue, I think God would have you buy our home. You, you know, and we will sell it to you at a discounted price. You need to have a home. Even though your husband is no more, he's gone home to the Lord, you need to still have a place for your children. And I said, why don't you buy our home? And we did. We sold our home to my very best friend's widow. And so you could see God putting all this together. And uh, we relocated and I went back to Bible college and my eyes were on India. I did not know how God was going to send me to India because uh, when God called me, I said, Lord, I don't have the resources to travel halfway around the world. 
But I said, God, I know you do, and I'm just going to trust you. And so I finished my schooling, and my son had just started a carpentry business. And he said, Dad, would you help me with my carpentry business? I said, Jim, I said, I don't want to get sidetracked. If God's put that in your heart and you want to start this business doing carpentry, he said, that's great. You go ahead. You do it. But I said, I don't want to get sidetracked from my call to go to India. And so he started his carpentry business. And I was going to school during the day, working a second shift job in the, at night, going to school in the day, and I got a phone call from the hospital. Your son is almost dead. He had a motorcycle accident. We don't know if he's going to live or die. Come immediately. I immediately went to the hospital and miraculously, uh, God healed my son, raised him up off of his bed. And while he was recovering from his injuries so that he would not lose the business that he had just begun only two months before, I worked with him. And he taught me how to do all the interior trim carpentry, how to build the staircases, how to do all of the carpentry, the, the work. And I did all the manual labor while he recovered from his injuries. And God blessed me indeed and enlarged my coast after one year of his blessing on that business. And from that business, uh, God led me into four more businesses. And through these businesses, God blessed us indeed and enlarged my coast numerous times into India, Burma, Nepal, Philippines, many, uh, you know, many other uh, South America, Central America, Haiti, uh, Puerto Rico. I could just go on all the different countries that God enlarged my coast and has allowed me to preach his word. And now, even when I'm 73, running 74, God is still enlarging my coast to the Philippines. And, and in May, God is going to enlarge my coast to Africa. I've never been to Africa, but I'm going to go to Africa in May. I have been invited to go and preach in Africa and to share our ministry in, in Kenya and in Uganda, two of the African nations. And so I'm excited about what God is doing. And so this passage here in Matthew chapter 9 it says that Jesus went about from city to city, village to village, teaching and preaching. Amen? The gospel of the kingdom. And I like what it says. I say to these Pentecostals, these charismatics, I say, now wait a minute. If you were for real, you would be healing every disease. You would be healing every sickness. But as, as what Jesus did, if they truly had those gifts, amen. 
but we all know that they don't. They're all deceived. Sad to say, they're deceived. They're believing the devil's lie. I mean, you know, let's think about it. In Colossians chapter 4, I think it's verse 20. I think I'm, I'm right on my scripture here. Paul, Paul, it says that he left Trophima, Trophimus, sick in Miletus. Paul? The apostle Paul? Left Trophimus sick in Miletus? Why? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said, I besought the Lord three times that he would remove this sickness from me. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Amen. God didn't heal Paul. Paul couldn't heal Trophimus. Why? Because the gifts, they were gifts of the apostles. There are no apostles today. These were gifts that God gave supernatural sign gifts to the apostles to prove their, to authentify that they were his apostles. And I got news for you. There's not 13 apostles. There's not 14 or 15. There are 12 apostles. And those 12 apostles' names are written in heaven. There aren't any more. The gift of an apostle. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and you read verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul said, Am I not an apostle? Now, read the rest of the verse. Have I not seen the Lord Jesus? Ah, ah, so an apostle had to be an eyewitness of the risen Savior. There are no apostles today. In Acts chapter 1, when the disciples said, because of Judas, because he betrayed the Lord, and they said, hey, we've got to choose somebody who has to be an eyewitness of the risen Christ. An apostle had to be an eyewitness. There are no apostles today. There are no eyewitnesses. The gift of an apostle was a temporary gift given to the early church for the perfecting of that church until the completed revelation came. When that which is complete is come, then that which is in part will be done away. These temporary gifts have been done away. We have the completed revelation. And by the word, by the way, that word in uh, Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
where it says, when that which is perfect, perfect is come. Okay? If you study that in the Greek, and here's a Greek scholar, what is that? Is that masculine, or is that a neuter word, my brother? Perfect. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, when that which is perfect is come, it is a neuter word. If it meant Jesus, it would be masculine. It is not referring to Jesus Christ. It is referring to the perfect law of liberty. This is what is perfect. Amen? And praise God, we've got a book. I believe the old King James is good enough for me. I told folks, I've had six generations that have been saved through this book, and I don't think I want to change to something else. Amen? So he went about, he healed every sickness, every disease, but notice verse 6, we have a conjunction. A conjunction. We have a conjunction in the English language. Conjunction. But. But. When you see the word but, it suggests a problem. But. When he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I hope you folks appreciate the fact you've got a shepherd. Praise God, you've got a shepherd. Don't ever underestimate Take care of this man of God. He's your shepherd. What is the responsibility of a shepherd? What's the, a shepherd's job? Feed his sheep. That's one job. Lead the sheep to green pastures. Amen? And to clear running water. Amen? And I think you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. And so this is that clean living water right here, okay? And so that's the pastor's job. But not only is it his job to, uh, to feed you, it's also his job to, once in a while, he might have to uh, uh, take a stick, you know? <laughs> he might have to take a stick. You know what the shepherd had to do sometimes to some sheep? You know what the shepherd had to do sometimes to a sheep? Sometimes he would have to take and break the leg. Think about that. Has pastor broken any legs around here? I don't see anybody limping. It doesn't, I don't, I didn't see anybody limping in here. The only one I see limping is pastor and me <laughs> because we're getting old. You know, and I say that I'm getting old. You're still, you're not even 70 yet, brother. You haven't even reached 70. You haven't even reached the three score and 10 yet. I'm already past the three score and ten, and I'm working on the four score. So uh, I don't know if I'll make it that far, but we'll see. My mama's 94, so if I got any of her genes in me, I might live a few more years. But Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were scattered abroad. Like sheep, 
that have no shepherd. Praise God, you've got a shepherd. His job is to feed you. His job once in a while is to chastise you. Okay? And sometimes. But, but, but that's, a, that's a shepherd's job. That's the shepherd's job. So don't get upset with the shepherd. Don't get upset with your shepherd if once in a while he does chastise. Or one time, once in a while he scolds. Don't get upset. I don't think, I don't think any legs have been broken, okay? <laughs> Amen, preacher. Have you broken any legs yet? <laughs> Only maybe if they fall down your steps. <laughs> but uh, that's the shepherd's job, okay? You know what else a shepherd's job is? A shepherd's job is to protect. Protect his sheep. To protect his sheep. And you know, I'm giving some things to you right now that might, I hope nobody has taken any offense. I hope that, you know, I gave your pastor a book. He gave your pastor a book that I wrote some years ago, about, I think, eight, nine years ago, I wrote this book. New carts or old paths? New carts or old paths? I'm an old paths guy. I like the old paths. I talk about it in the book when I was out in the Himalaya mountains. You know, the Himalaya mountains, the highest mountains in the world. Mount Everest, 20, almost 29,000 feet above sea level. Okay, I was out walking in those mountains. I can't do it anymore. I need some of you young people. Some of you young people need to get involved in the harvest and go to these hard places. I was out walking on those Himalaya mountains. What was I doing there? Carrying the gospel to people who never heard. As I was walking on the mountain, I had a guide. And my guide was taking me out to a village out in a remote part in the Himalaya mountains. And I'll tell you what, all of a sudden, I couldn't see my guide. I couldn't see him. He just, he just kept going, and he just got walking out ahead of me. And I'm out there on this mountain, and I got just me and the bears <laughs> and the mountain lions or whatever else is out there. And, and I'm thinking, where is my guide gone? I couldn't see him. But bless God, there was a path. There was a path. And I just stayed on that old path. And finally, I got, I found my guide and I found the village. Amen? I like the old paths. Amen? The old paths. We don't need new carts. Charismatic movement, that's a new cart. This controversy over the King James Bible, that's new carts. Those are new carts. Okay? And so I just talk about five, in this book, I talk about five of those new carts that are destroying our churches. And so Jesus here, he sees the multitudes. He's moved with compassion because they're like sheep that have no shepherd and they're scattered abroad. All over the mountains, folks, come to India. 
I've, I'll tell you what, you have a lot of people. You know, as, I, as I've been driving the streets here with Brother Peter, he's asked me, have you ever seen so much traffic? I said, sure. India. India. Hey, 1.3 billion people in a land area that is one-third the size of the United States of America with four times the population of the United States of America. People everywhere. Even in the Himalaya Mountains, you can't, I find, find my guide, but hey, they're everywhere. People are everywhere. I don't care where you go, you find people. Over there, they don't have bathrooms. They don't have public restrooms. You just got to find one. <laughs> you got to find a bush or you got to find a tree, okay? <laughs> That's the way it is over there. But uh, we need, we need, we need, we need, we need people that are willing to go to the hard places because India has 1.3 billion lost souls scattered all over. They don't know where they're going. They're following after the snake god. They're following after the monkey god. They're following after the tree god. They're following after cows. You can't kill cows over there because you might be killing somebody's mommy. Really? They think they believe in reincarnation. They think that maybe if you kill that cow, that could be their mother. They believe the kind of life you live now is what, you know, you'll be reincarnated. If you live a bad life now, you might be reincarnated into a snake or a, a rat. <laughs> so sad. 950 million Hindus. More than 200 million Muslims. People everywhere that need Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to tell them. I can't do it. Can't do it alone. Not possible. And so he saw that they fainted. They were scattered abroad, having no shepherd. And then Jesus said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he has the solution. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Not my harvest. It's not this preacher's harvest. It's his harvest. May I challenge you tonight to get involved in winning souls. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. If I sign your Bible... I'll always put that verse, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless 
come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a promise. I've seen God do it time and time and time and time again. That's my verse. Those are two, my two verses. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. For God is on his throne. Though you prayed till it seemed that your heart would break. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Amen. Sorry for my crackly voice. You guys have preached me to death since I've been here. <laughs> he, this fellow here, he just keeps preaching me. I've been in the jails, been in the prison, screaming and hollering and jumping up and down and preaching to those prisoners. We've seen hundreds of prisoners professing. I don't know. God knows. But I've seen a lot of people get saved while I've been over here. Amen. So praise the Lord. That's what it's all about. Bringing in the harvest. I'm a farm boy. I grew up on the farm. And you know what? My grandpa. I've never seen my father. My father abandoned me when I was born. He just walked out. Left, left me. My mommy gave me to her mommy. So I was raised by my grandmother, Florence. Thank God for her. Thank God for her godly life. And I praise the Lord that I had a godly grandmother. But I've never seen my father, but I have a heavenly father. Amen. And, uh, and he's, he's been good to me. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. My pop, we used to grow millet. We used to grow oats on our farm. And my pop used to tell, he said, Jim, say, Jim. When the grain has a golden glint, it's time to bring in the harvest. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus said, I've heard you disciples talking, and I've heard you saying that there's four months, and then it's harvest time. I've heard you saying that. No. Don't say that. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. Hey, when grain is white, it means that the precious fruit is over, ripe. And the precious souls are perishing all over Asia, just in Asia, for point. Four billion souls in 51 nations in Asia. 1.27 billion in Africa. Just in Asia and Africa, you have almost 6 billion. Nearly 6 billion of the total Earth's population of 7.8 billion Six billion are on this side of the world. Who's going to reach these people? They're your people. Many of them look just like you. They don't look like me. 
I'm a Westerner. But most of the people over here look like you. Who's going to reach these people? The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. May God call some people out of this congregation who will say, Lord, here am I, send me. I, I pray that there might be some young people here that would do what I did 28 years ago when I read the prayer of Jabez and I had an invitation to go to India and I laughed at those preachers. I said, there's no way. But I said, I'll pray about it. And I prayed for two years. And God, through that prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10, in April of 1992, God said, I did this for Jabez. I can do it for you today. And he has in far exceeded my fondest expectations. And what God has done for me, he can do for any one of you. Don't limit God. Don't be like the children of Ephraim in Psalm 78, who in the day of battle were carrying bows and they turned back. Don't be like those people. Because it says in Psalm 78, 41, that they, they turned back because they limited the Holy One of Israel. I wrote in my Bible, may I never limit God. May we never limit God. God can do anything. God can do the impossible. He's just looking for willing workers. Just looking for people. I have one question for you tonight as I close. Just one question. I'm going to let Pastor close the invitation. I just have one question. Are you available? If God, you say, well, Brother Jim, I've got this thing, I've got that thing. We just built a new home. We just did that. We just did this. No, I didn't ask you that. Are you available? If God wanted you to go to Thailand, if God wanted you to cross over to Cambodia or Vietnam or Japan or China, you say, well, I don't want to go to China. And that coronavirus over there, I sure don't want to go there. I didn't ask that. Hey, you don't think I have some misgivings? You don't think we have some misgivings about leaving America and coming into Asia with the coronavirus over here? You don't think we had some misgivings? You know what God did in my devotions one morning? He gave me Psalm 91. The plague shall not come nigh thee. The pestilence 
that walketh in darkness, it shall not come nigh thee. What is the pestilence that walks in darkness? That's the coronavirus. No, it is. It is. It's the pestilence. It's a plague. It walks in darkness. But God said, it won't come near you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, if it does, I don't believe it is. I believe God's promise. But if it did, can I ask you a question? What's so bad about going to heaven? Huh? What's so bad about going to heaven? Amen. Amen. It shall not come nigh thee. We just got to obey God and claim his promises, Pastor, and walk by faith. We're not to walk by sight. We're to walk by faith. Amen. And we just trust God. Are you available? That's the only question I've got. Pastor, come and close out this service. And I hope that you will give an invitation and see. And let's find out if people are available. Because that's a true reflection of a person's heart. I didn't say... You are going to go. I just ask you, are you available? That's all. Do you have a heart that is available to obey whatever God wants you to do? Pastor?